Hello and welcome to Storytime with Tom and Mike. I'm Tom. Uh, and that makes me Mike. 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 Yeah, that's me. I've gotten some, well, I've gotten notes. Okay. Oh, you have notes. I've gotten notes. Yeah, I, I have notes. Well, one note. Um, one of our listeners has recently made a point to state that we might be getting a little too serious on the show. <laughs> I'm not going to name any names on who this person was. I really feel like I know who it is. But oh, I think you do because you probably read the same notes that I did. <laughs> but I, I get the point. You know, we kind of went from over the span of two and a half years from being like a, a very silly podcast to then kind of a semi-serious podcast and then and then all of a sudden we it was like we'd been edging for two and a half years and Ooh, then just came oh, a sexy. big slopping political load all over our listeners ears for the next three or four episodes we busted a, a burly load of steaming bone slop on yeah. them yeah, I think we've been yeah. too serious. And and maybe it's time to dial it back just a, a notch, make it more palatable. I mean, you know, I don't have a problem talking about politics, but when I listen to it afterwards, I'm like, is this like entertaining? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. I don't know. I just don't. Maybe if we had something funny to say about the topics, but we don't. We just bitch. It sounds like water cooler talk. You know, <laughs> we might as well just be in the break room somewhere bitching about oh this and that. That's what uh, that's what that's what people do around the water cooler and at uh, break rooms. Yeah, they bitch about everything. Yeah. So yeah. we fell right into that. Well, why don't we think about what else we could talk about in the break room? or the water cooler what if we had a show at the water cooler <laughs> and people had to can come we talk by? about judy from accounting because hello yeah we can talk about all that stuff but we have to do it at the water cooler and if people want to listen they have to come over <laughs> <laughs> you'll need to get a drink yeah yeah just do we hand out cups maybe that'll be like if you get a blue cup, that's a team Tom. And if you get a purple cup, that's team Mike. Can I go with red? I like red. I was going to go away from the blue and red. I thought we were staying away from politics. No, but red's just my favorite color. It has nothing so, to do with politics. So you want a red solo cup. All right, fine. I'll have just like a, the one I'm drinking out of right, right now. I'll, if that's the case, I want one of those paper snow cone cups. I don't know why. <laughs> It feels like the water is more delicious when it's confined to a conical shape. It's true. The water does taste better out of those things, but it's like such a weird experience. If you have dry lips and you go to drink out of something like that, like it feels like you've pressed your lips against the desert and are trying to squeeze water out of it. <laughs> are we talking? Like, are we talking like the high desert, sandy desert? Or are we talking more like? The cracked desert of the Arizona. I just mean like dry. That's all. I don't. I don't know whichever one. Whichever one that is. Because technically, nobody. If you want to be technical, how dry I am. Like the Antarctic and stuff is actually a desert, yeah. also. And so, it's also rather dry in the Antarctic. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. I mean, it's all frozen. So, Arctic, you know. Antarctic. I could be wrong with what I said. I'm not a fucking geology person, geologist. Oh. All I know is it's pretty dry in the snow. When the snow is frozen, it's all ice, so it's pretty dry. You got to melt it to make it liquid. Yeah, and then when you melt that stuff, you're drinking, like, caveman sweat. Oh, God, you're breaking loose. Dinosaur like, whiz. Yeah, you're breaking loose, like, like, fucking pathogens and shit that have been trapped in the ice for... In billions of years. Trapped in the ice. And you're to blame, baby. <laughs> wow. We went from Metallica to Bon Jovi and one fell swoop there. That was nice. Mm -hmm. What was that called? Cthulhu or something? Actually, it's Trapped Under Ice. I trapped trapped Under ice. ice is what that song is. Yeah, I just say Trapped in the Ice because... Well, it, it's, a, it's it, a very Lovecraftian story. I mean, idea. Trapped Under the Ice. Like... That's like a Lovecraft story. One of his most famous stories takes place in the Antarctic, and it's about 
things that are trapped under a pocket of like ice hmm. that's been separated from the rest of the world for like i don't know 450 million years or some that's a long time large amount of time like that yeah yeah pretty cool <laughs> shit from a racist he was a racist you know mike that doesn't that, uh, that surprise me lovecraft well i mean it makes sense because even for his time he was scared of everything like way he was like for let's see i would say that lovecraft lived from like I want to say he was born in like 1880s or something and he died in 1940. That might be about the right frame of time, but it wasn't very he, old when he died. Not really, no. And and even for his time and his like group of people, he was considered ex especially racist. Like it went beyond simple distaste to outright morbid terror. Um, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't well, he wasn't a, a well-adjusted human being. There's a lot of, lot of speculation that he might've been severely autistic. And that was why he was so, um, verbal about everything. Like he wrote just so many letters to different authors and stuff. Like if you can picture him having like, like a live journal. <laughs> like today like that's what it would be and you'd go to it and it would be like stuff about cats stuff about anime and stuff about why black people are horrible you know in in that order you know and and it would be like okay this guy's got issues and someone gave him a platform awesome and then you understand when you go back you understand why he died penniless you know writing for 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 shit magazines for his entire life and not making any money is because no one wanted to deal with the guy because hmm. he was a shithead, but he's undoubtedly responsible for some of the most popular sci-fi and horror tropes today. Um, you know, what you think about those tropes, notwithstanding they're the founding block or the founding stones of everything else almost. So you kind of have to go, okay, well, that guy sucked, but he had some influence. <laughs> he sucked, but he sure did know his sci-fi and horror. Yeah, well, but that's the point. He was scared of everything. He was scared of the ocean. He was scared of the land. He was scared of the desert. He was scared of women. He was scared of, of black people. He was scared of Chinese people, any, any Asian culture. He was, he, was, he was afraid of Africa. The entire continent of Africa was a big dark jewel to him to be not to be plucked because it was the heart of darkness, you know, just like this guy. I'm afraid of Australia like that. I was like everything go, there would kill you. No, fuck. Fuck. Like, I mean, I, there's people in Australia that I really like, like Tony, for example. Oh, yeah, obviously. Tony's yeah, I, I know. I actually do know somebody that lives in Australia besides Tony. So oh, really? Yeah. Uh, and then Tom Croucher from Uncancelled, he's a good guy. Um, so yeah, there are definitely, you know, uh, reasons to like uh, celebrate Australia, but I wouldn't want to go there because I'm afraid of everything that lives on that continent. As long as I'm in a populous it. area, a city, I'll be okay. But like, if if you dump me out in the middle of the outback somewhere, I would fucking die. You know, there are <laughs> I would die probably before anything even got to me because I'd be so scared. I would like shit myself to death. <laughs> you remember the in Red Dwarf, there was the despair squid. Not off the top of my head. How can you not remember that episode? OK, it was the episode where <sighs> they um, believed they were in a video game. And they were um, like one of them thought he was a cop. But he turned out to be like a he was like a detective. It was Crichton thought he was a, a, a cop, like a cop. Um, but it turns out he was just traffic police. <laughs> and Lister turned out to be like this rich scumbag. And Cat turned out to be Dwayne Dibley. And um, Rimmer just was like a hobo. <laughs> and that seems apropos yeah and they're they're sort of trying to escape and and finally they're like all just like my life is exactly the opposite of what i thought it was and i'm a sad sack who spent his life in a game to hide from it 
So they all decide they're going to kill themselves. And at the last minute, Holly gets through to him and says, it's not real. And they break back to reality and realize that they've been inked by this squid that caused them to go into a hallucination um, uh, in order to self-destroy themselves, you mm. know, to commit suicide. So that was what the suicide squid or the uh, despair squid did. It would blast you with this ink and then you'd become despondent and kill yourself, thereby not being a threat to the squid. Hmm. Well, there's a real sort of thing in Australia. There are these tiny little things, and I, I can't remember what the name of it. I was reading about them yesterday, but they're, they have these nematodes or nemocysts or something in them, and they're like little jellyfish. And when they sting you, one of the, uh, one of the psychological effects you'll have is that you will have an impending sense of doom. And that many times uh, medical professionals have to put you in an induced coma to keep you from killing yourself. Hmm. Yeah. That's fucking terrifying. Isn't that fucking terrifying? That's, and that's just what swimming. I went to the <laughs> beach and I came back in a coma because I had to be stopped from killing myself because I went over the wrong reef. What? I, how did people. Yep. I mean, how did they know it was that bad when they dumped like like when they dumped all those prison prisoners on on Australian grounds and said, this is your new home. They had to have already known. Like how hostile and unforgiving an environment that had to be. I don't think they cared at that point. But yes, I you would feel that there would have to be some kind of a. uh well, I feel a, uh, like they chose it. or Foreshadowing maybe... to that effect that made them go, yeah, this is the place. Well, yeah, I feel like they were like, all right, that thing looks like a dinosaur. And when it bites you, your leg not only comes off, but it starts to actually fester no matter what you do. And then you die. So that's a thing that lives here. And that snake just ate Pete. And that spider just ate the snake. And Could you imagine seeing a ripped, jacked up fucking kangaroo for the first time, oh, never yeah. having known that they existed? How terrifying that would be. It's bounding toward you. Like, excuse me, sir. Could I ask you? Oh, shit. You know, like the yeah. thing comes fucking flying towards you and kicking the shit out of you. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's a reason why they dumped people there, like of all the places to put them. They're like, this land has no value to us. We're not going to try and farm and it's too far from anything. It's not really of any tactical use and it's full of monsters. So we're just going to dump all our prisoners and our descendant descendants here and our, our pirates, pirates and all the other like pirates, 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 pirates. We're going to dump all the people that we don't want in this country. And then, and then later they'll turn out to make some pretty interesting culture and turn out to have a, thriving society and 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 how did that all happen like how many prisoners did they dump it only took two well it only took one of each sex so I put it that way because if they put two prisoners there they were both guys they're not obviously going to repopulate shit two people aren't going to repopulate shit anyway sure they will isn't that how it works in the bible no Yes, but no. Adam and Eve, you know, and then yeah. there was no incest, but of course, you know, they kept uh, populating yeah. until, you know. It's not, it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Eve and Eve. <laughs> That's the, the, the generation over time as they can't be able to communicate any longer. Well, that's why cavemen were like, uh, 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 and shit, right? Like, did, did they come after Adam and Eve or before them? Because mm. Adam and Eve were supposed to be the first people on the earth, right? I mean, right. So would it make sense that, you know, a prehistoric man was there after them or before? Maybe and that would be a good explanation for why they were like they were, because they were so fucking inbred that, you know, yeah. there was no chance for them to talk or do anything else. Really, they just grunted at each other. I just, you know, you're you're trying to scrutinize something that <laughs> is stupid. <laughs> so <laughs> i mean like why are we trying to make sense of such a stupid thing i don't because it's fun 
because we were, you know, talking about, you know, repopulating a place. And it feels like that was the natural course of where the conversation was going to go. Not that I wanted to get into a long diatribe about, you know, religion, because I don't. I just thought that it was a funny concept. Yeah. Adam and Eve were actually two people that were dumped on Australia. The story's okay. a lot more modern than you think it is. <laughs> okay. So so that's the land of Nod then somewhere in Australia. There you go. You know what? That makes sense because of the dream time. You know, the, the Australian aboriginally aboriginalies. The aboriginalies, the aboriginalies. They're the original the aborigines. The <laughs> aboriginalies. Yeah. No, like the uh, the aborigines of uh, Australia, and they're one of the world's oldest cultures. Uh, have this have the interestingly enough have this um, really unique like like creation myth. Um, that includes the idea that every day is an echo of the first day hmm. and that all of this can be seen in the dreaming or the dream time. And, you know, you, you do some shamanistic rituals or you take the right drugs or whatever, and then you, you, you know, beat on a drum for a while or, or blow into one of those, um, Didgeridoos. Didgeridoos or something wow. like that. And it like induces a trance state like an alpha wave state and then you go into the dream time and you know, like it's really a cool i mean as far as mythologies go it's one of the most unique i've ever seen probably because it's so separated from the rest of humanity for such a long time without any interruption you know so where you can see a lot of similarities in others there there there's like you know a seventy thousand year rift between uh, when their culture started and when the rest of humanity found them. So they're up there with like some of the lost tribes that are still, you know, not in connection with society mm -hmm. as a whole right now. There are some cultures that are still like that. There are very few. Doesn't it blow um, your mind to think about that, that there's people yeah. out there that have no fucking idea that None. any technology of any sort exists? Oh, they like, have an idea like shit about from shit from colonial times would blow their fucking minds. Some of it. Yeah. But I, the thing is, is they've seen planes and drones. We have pictures of of these. You know, they just don't want to be contacted. And we've done sort of a Star Trek thing with them where we're like, OK, don't contact them like they are, you know, the opportunity to to. I mean, eventually someone is going to do something awful and exposed into society in such a rich, rich, quick and brutal way that it strips them of well, any... that's how they get eaten. Yeah. Just like that Rockefeller uh, fella. Yeah. Yeah. But wait, what? I said, <laughs> no, yeah, there's a... like I knew yeah, what you yeah. were talking about. You said, about. yeah, because you were like, oh, I know about that. One but of the I members of the Rockefeller family, if I'm not mistaken, got eaten by, by a tribe. Really? Let me see a here. Of, a tribe of cannibals, I assume. Well, uh, let me see. Yeah, maybe um, they made it, a special decision because he was so exotic. This is your history lesson. Gotta it learn was, some stuff about cannibals. Yeah, uh, Michael Rockefeller eaten by cannibals. Hmm. It was a member of the Rockefeller family, like you know the famous uh, Rockefeller, yeah. like. He was actually many, the son of former Vice President Norman Rockefeller. I find it very difficult to believe that there was another Rockefeller who had the kind of money to safari <laughs> and find lost tribes and be eaten by them. You know, hey, I, you, you just <laughs> never know. He's um, traveled to New Guinea in 1961 to photograph the Azmat people and collect their art. Okay, well, right there you did something you shouldn't have probably done. But he's 23 years old and basically disappeared. Couldn't find him anywhere. And then they found through um, through writings and so forth, they were able to decipher from the people in, in New Guinea that they had uh, described him being killed and eaten. Okay. Like many, 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 huh. many years later. Hmm. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah, we ate him. <laughs> Yeah, he I was just delicious. imparted some knowledge on you there. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean it. Uh, it's 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 fucking. I mean, I don't think they were necessarily bragging. They're like, hey, just in case this ever happens again, this fucking weird guy, like talking some shit that I've never heard before, showed up. Yeah, and like tried to take and steal our souls with a box, and then tried to steal our the stuff we were making, and so we ate him. Yeah, yeah. That's you know. that's kind of what happened. You know, succinctly, that was the history right there. We were cannibals. It's what we do. It's kind yeah. of our thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you have to wonder with cannibals, like that's a very small, like selection of tribes across the world that do cannibalism, and so you have to wonder, like, what sort of in our development as a species, sort of didn't inform them the way it informs everyone else like you know, let's put it to, let's put it another way we know through science that if you eat human flesh you put yourself to uh, at risk high risk for all kinds of diseases um that you put yourself at risk for brain damage uh due to like stuff in the meat that actually like i think especially if you eat brain it can actually cause like you know terrible rotting in the brain like mm. like it just there's something in it that we can't eat uh it's it you know so i mean obviously all of this is me sort of trying to draw up old stuff that i've read but <laughs> there's definitely a reason scientific why we do not consume human flesh um, it's not just a moral principle. So what it's because is, cows are so tasty. So what is it? What is it in those cultures that made it so it was like, hey, you know, we didn't notice any adverse effects, or the proposed positive effects were so outweighing of any perceived negative ones that we just kept going with it. And hmm. under what circumstances? Like, what was the line? If if your son was like, you know dating a girl from the wrong tribe did you just eat her or did you also <laughs> eat your son because he tried oh, you ate her if things went right wink wink what if you know like that one star trek episode you kicked open a flower box did that tribe get around to eat them like you know because they put they tried to put wesley crusher to death for kicking open a flower box in one of the first episodes of star trek next generation and i always thought it was so fucking stupid it's like these kids and they're playing in their, they're playing ball. And for some reason, the only rule on the planet is that any law you break is punishable by death. And the whole planet has like four law givers that mm -hmm. sort of like happen to be in different zones throughout the, the, the different weeks or whatever. And they just happen to be in town when Wesley's playing ball. And he goes to make a save and kicks in this fucking flower box. And, and then everyone freaks out. And they're like, oh, he's, he's done the thing. Oh, no. And then the guy immediately <laughs> shows up and he's like, you're coming with me, Mr. Crusher. <laughs> when in reality, I mean, if every crime is punishable by death, why would you have taken him over? Just fucking shoot him on sight. I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a I guess it makes for a less, uh, you know, gripping story that way. Well, and it was funny because at the end of the episode, they just, I don't remember exactly how it ended, but they basically just said, fuck you and left. They're like, they're like, because they're having this hold, and which is exactly what any sane spacefaring species would do with a non spacefaring species, because that's what these were. They had no means of flying around outside of their planet. They didn't have any teleporter technology, nothing. And they were a single species on a single planet. And they had no outside, you know, travel whatsoever and no additional colonies, nothing. So these tiny little world that had no impact on the Federation or anything else. And because of some Federation bylaw, they're like, well, we have to give them a fair trial. We can't just leave. That would be very wrong of us. No, we should definitely have, you know, a person <laughs> of the Federation be at the barbaric laws of some back ass fucking backwards hillbilly planet, you know, that says, oh, no, no, you, you broke a law, you did. The fucking Alabama of the galaxy. Right, right. 
And then at the end, they just fuck off and leave anyway. It's great. <laughs> you know what that what that points to me is they're like the writers were like, bro, we are in an unwinnable situation here. There's only yeah. one way out of this. <laughs> and then one of the writers There's literally one way. They just they just leave. And one of the other writers goes and says, this is really, is there Kobashi Maru? And everyone goes, shut the fuck up, Alan. It's like, what? I've been waiting years to say that. I finally got my chance and I didn't miss it. Did I say Kobayashi or Kobashi? I think you said, I said Kobashi. Well, I should have said Kobayashi. You know, I had a special moment like that one time, and my brother can attest to this one. I may have told the story already, but there was an episode of Beavis and Butthead back in the day where they were supposedly criminals and, and like the police were looking for them. And they did like an episode of America's Most Wanted. And there was these two guys and they're like supposed to look like Beavis and Butthead, but they, they kind of don't. But they're robbing uh, ATM machines. And the one guy says to the other, ha ha ha, Trevor, look. Another ATM ripe for the picking. And I came around the corner when I was working security and there was an ATM machine hanging open and inexplicably. Somebody was in servicing and never locked it up right. And there was a manager named Trevor who was right near me. And I had the opportunity to go, ha ha ha, Trevor, look, another ATM machine ripe for the picking. Even if I was the only one that got it. And I missed out completely. I life fed me the perfect setup on a line, although obscure, still funny. And I missed it. I missed it completely. Did you just not act or did you not think of it till later? I didn't think of it until after the moment had passed because I believe my brother was the one who brought it up to me and was like, dude, do you realize what just happened? And I was like, nah. And he's like, we're talking about it. I was like, oh my God. That was like fate. Like I had to say it, you fate, know, fate done you wrong. It was, it was too late. It was too late. The moment it passed, fate it was gone. Done me wrong. Yeah. yeah. It like, happens. I feel like we need to bring singing back into the show, Mike. <laughs> it needs to be more singing. This is another one of my notes. Uh, you got notes. I took notes. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I I can't just sing on on command like that. It's going to take me a few minutes, to, you know or what? at least uh, maybe an episode even to work myself back into that. I yeah. I gotta I gotta try. You know, I gotta I gotta get myself there. Maybe if I get us like a, a Casio keyboard, and I can there just you go. play the demo and we can sing to that. Hey, there you Tom go. And Mike, Tom and Mike, Tom and Mike forever. <laughs> you are listening to story time with Tom and Mike. I like that you did the beat for Ode to Joy there uh, in the background. I, I just, I hope that's not copyrighted anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, unholy butchering of such a magical song. <laughs> So why do people, okay, here's a question. Why do people get like offended when someone sings the national anthem poorly? Not intentionally poorly. They just don't hit the high notes. So right? you're saying like, not like Roseanne Barr. Yeah. Like people get so offensive. Like, okay. Like Roseanne Barr. I don't know what she was. She doing. fucked that shit up on purpose. I that think was, she yeah. probably did, but I think she was nervous or something. I think she was like, I don't know how to be a good singer, so I need to make this funny. And she it's, just didn't know what to yeah. do. So she's like, well, I'll just do this. And then she probably realized too late that that's really distasteful and not funny. <laughs> and like, it would have been, I don't know, like she could have found a way to make it funny, but who thought she was going to be a good singer? I certainly didn't, you know, yeah, given like, given her her history, I would have never been like, yeah, she can sing. She's got a voice like this. I want this person to sing the national anthem on the television. So, so, so you're looking for somebody who sounds like Gilbert. Did you ever hear Gilbert <laughs> Godfrey's real voice? Yes, I have. He sounds like a fucking serial killer when he, he talks. He does. When he's, when he's not doing the voice, I'm like, whoa. I've always thought that his stage voice was really fucking annoying, but it's it's better than 
be very serious and normal sounding. Yeah, well, where when he's talking, you're like, oh my God, that's scary as hell. It, you know what it is about his voice is that maybe, and I mean, it, I think this would, I would feel this way coming from anyone, but it's just more pronounced because of the change from what you're used to. I really think that his voice is like the equivalent of a blank. There's no, it's completely black. There's no character to it. There's no, it's just yeah, it's generic. devoid of any kind of pizzazz whatsoever. It's completely yeah. generic. Yeah. It is like the most generic voice I've ever heard in my life. It's neither boring nor unboring. It's neither forward or backward. It's neither too loud nor too soft. It's just there. I suggest to everybody that you go and look that up on YouTube. Just put in Gilbert Gottfried's real voice. Like if he called you and was like, hey, this is a Gilbert Gottfried, you'd be like, well, of course, if he did it now, you'd be like, holy shit, you're dead. Gilbert Gottfried called my house. But prior to that, if he had called you, you would have been like, yeah, right. Shut the fuck up and hung up on him because it sounds nothing like what you would expect it to sound like. It's so vanilla. It's so like there's not even like a hint of of really of New York to it. I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing and scary. Yeah, it's very strange, but that's Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> this like, is the last voice you will hear before I end you. <laughs> you know what? You know what would have been really amazing is if they had Chris Cornell sing the national anthem. I think that would be. I'm sure he probably did. I bet you if you look so? it up, you could find it. Yeah, probably. absolutely. Yeah, he's probably done it for some sort of event somewhere. That's a voice that I really got to tell you I miss a lot. I miss his voice a lot because, you know, he was unique even among, you know. Even in that, that, that weird, class. like, cookie-cutter 90s angsty grunge mm-hmm stuff he was a unique sound like well Well, you know that the bands that rose to the top of that period of time all had something unique to them well if you listen to audio slave later you realize soundgarden and audio slave definitely it was it was his voice 100 it was his voice and it was a continuation of a theme you know moving on to audio slave it just made sense you know, for him to sing about what he was singing about, because he was trying to reconcile a lot of painful emotions. He was trying to continue to forge his way through a world that had been terribly cruel to him. I just thought, could you imagine what grunge music? Well, it never would have become popular, but what it would be like if there was no Eddie Vedder, there was no um, um, Chris Cornell, there was no Lane Staley, there was no Harold. You know, Kurt Cobain. Can <laughs> you imagine how bland that shit would have been if there wasn't any heroin? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, well, you know, I, I, I meant if those guys didn't, you know. Yeah, no, I get it. Like, someone else, it would have been different. We would have liked something else, you know. Oh, we would have liked something else. I don't think it would have been that. No, it wouldn't have been that. But if those guys didn't exist. And the, gr- the grunge movement wouldn't have taken place because everyone else was copying those fucking people. Like the, like <clears throat> there was, you know, in, in Seattle and a lot of the other like grunge capitals where these bands came from, where that sound came from. Um, yeah, at, there were probably around four or five different musicians or acts that were getting fucking copied by everybody. Mm-hmm. And so that became the grunge movement, you know, but then there are bands like failure and um, I'm trying to think of a few others that sort of sat in the, the back, like, like meat puppets and <laughs> meat puppets are awesome. Yeah. And um, oh gosh, I don't know like uh it's that band that does plane crash and uh uh what is the name of that the catherine wheel yeah catherine wheel they're kind of i don't think i've ever heard of that band they're a little lesser known they're british so they're they're not as grungy oh so you're like i listened to them before it was cool well they're just brit grunge you know what i mean like they don't really fit into the seattle wave at all 
but I mean, the sound was similar. I just don't know enough about the timelines for these bands to say, oh, when they became popular. But when I look at something like Failure or um, the Meat Puppets, I don't see a lot of similarities between what they were doing and what other bands were doing. They just had the same overall kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, but like, you know, then you listen to bands like Godsmack later. And you're like, well, they're definitely, definitely trying very hard to sound like Cantrell, you yeah. know, um, and and not doing a very good job of it. Because when Jerry Cantrell sings about being alone in a trailer park at night with a with aluminum foil up on the windows to keep the heat in, you know, you know that he's speaking from experience and not from some book that he read. <laughs> you know what i mean it's like yeah you know but i i guess the reason i i really hated godsmack was was twofold one i never liked christian bands so why the fuck would i like a wiccan band are and they then, a wiccan band yeah they are i and had no idea they are no, i never yeah. looked that deeply into them to be honest i mean they had like one song that used to get a lot of radio play I'm and like somebody, not the one who's so far away <laughs> somebody us. gave me their album for free and I listened to it and I was like, all right, I mean, this is not the worst thing I've ever heard, but I certainly am probably not going to be listening to this in five years. And I was right. Well, <laughs> so you're right. And I liked it for a minute, too. When I first listened to their first album, I was like, this is OK for like maybe a month. I gave them a month and then I got I realized that every time I listened to it, I was getting pissed off for the wrong reasons. So I just <laughs> threw it away. I threw the. I think I either gave it away or threw it away. Probably Were you I the just, one that gave it to me? I don't even know. <laughs> it's very possible. But I mean, that's a thoughtless gift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's something I don't like. And it's used. Happy here, here, whatever have day. Some, yeah, have some shit. Happy, <laughs> happy birthday, Jesus. Hope you like crap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Kenny G the Christmas album. I, the other thing I hated about them was the fact that the name of their band, they named them after a fucking Alice in Chains song, a great Alice in Chains song from inarguably one of the best fucking rock albums, not only of that time, but possibly ever. Dirt. That album is a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you look at that and then you look at anything that Godsmack did and it's it's like, OK, all right, totally different worlds don't even compare and and i i guess what it boils down to is that allison chains had authenticity you know they were talking about really heavy shit especially in that album mm -hmm. and and it was real it was dark i want you to kill me i want you to scrape the brain off my, uh, my brains off the walls and go mad I mean, I, those aren't the exact lyrics, but that's... But and go crazy like you've made me. Like you've made me, yes. yeah. Like, how many times when I was a teenager going through it did that lyric just click with me? Like, yeah, yeah, do that. You know, like, like that's a good <laughs> idea. Because I wasn't of the ability to articulate how I was feeling. And here was someone that came along and, and understood my plight before I even knew what my plight was. You know, and could articulate it for me. And, you know, maybe Godsmack did that for somebody. I don't know. It's possible. I mean, I doubt it, but it's possible. It depends, man. I mean, maybe they didn't have any other good music. Maybe they found a copy of Godsmack's first album. Like, you know, do you even know what the name of it was? No. Yeah, because I, I don't. don't fucking remember. I remember what the album looked like yeah vaguely i sort of remember something orange <laughs> yeah it was like some orange tribal tattoo looking thing yeah 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 black and orange if i recall correctly but yeah maybe some kid found that in like like a consignment store somewhere and he had like two bucks on him and he's like he was, <laughs> he's like well my dad doesn't know about my cd player at home and I'm not really allowed to listen to anything but Christian music. This looks like, pretty badass, though. This looks pretty cool. And I bet, like, it's probably not Christian. So 
Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and... But if it isn't and he sees it, I can be like, look, it's got God's name in it. They're praising the Lord. Yeah, Dad. They're like, God smack, you know? It's like intellectual and stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, like someone maybe was like, that was their first step out of the box. Because everyone has that album, right? Like for me, it was Metallica black album that was really my breakaway from like and what a garbage takeaway i mean like it wasn't a that great of an album the first heavy metal that i had ever really heard uh my brother bought me an album when i was 13 14 something like that you'll never guess what it was if i gave you a hundred tries to guess what it was um for your first hmm Cannibal Corpse. Oh my God! How did you fucking guess? You said heavy. Yeah. Do you do you know what album it was? No. I was eaten back to life, which is possibly one of the greatest death metal, you know, albums of that era. And uh, yeah, that was like that was fucking awesome. It's so inaccessible unless that's what you know. Like you don't. That's kind of like if I took you to sushi one night and you've never had sushi before and i said you're gonna have the sashimi and you go okay and then you get the sashimi and what it is it's a ball of rice with a whole fucking sheath of meat sitting on top of it raw fish Mm-mm, no. yeah you're not going to start with that i don't even eat that and i've been eating sushi for fucking years so you're going to cook start with some cooked oil eel maybe a california roll you know, if you're really feeling, you know, okay, I'll try the raw this time. Maybe I'll have some yellowtail. You're not fucking, you know, you're not fucking around with roe or any other kind of eggs. You're not fucking around with sashimi. You're not talking. Is roe like low rent caviar? Kind of, yeah. Okay. It's like salmon eggs. Actually, really good. But um, yeah, your first time in, you're not going to dive into the heavy shit. You're going to try the light there. So it really surprises me that that was your introduction to metal. Yeah. Like, and it's funny because my kid, I mean, my brother. I had heard other stuff, but that was like the first album that I owned. Gotcha. Okay. My, my brother and I have like a very similar sort of expectation for so for music. Like one of my favorite bands and his favorite bands uh, is Deftones. And um, what I like about them is that they are just aggressively hard and complicated and dark and chunky and angry. And it's everything I'm looking for in music. Like when, when I find new music, if it's got one or more of those elements, I'm incre- incrementally more and more interested. Um, so, you know, like, uh, I'm always just looking for something to work out to, I guess, even though I don't work out, <laughs> <laughs> but I used to, and I, that have, makes... I have workout music too. And you know that I don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you always say, say you're gonna, but yeah. Um, no, like I want something that like, it just gets me, gets my anger and more and more I'm making my own music to do that because um you know i'm like wow i'm not finding anything i like and then i'll fuck around for an hour in fruity loops and discover a beat that works and start throwing lyrics on top of it listen to it and go yeah i'd buy this you know if it wasn't <laughs> seriously if it wasn't me making it i'd probably buy the track if i couldn't get it on spotify or i'd you know copy it somehow no no just the thought it. of you making something and going yeah i'd buy this well of course you yeah. would you're the one that fucking made it yeah. <laughs> well yeah i don't want to go that'd too... be like cooking something going i'd eat this well yeah duh because you fucking made it <laughs> well yeah but it's different if you're buying from yourself yeah. but i i don't want to be like kanye <laughs> sit around and listen to my own albums all day oh. 
Let's let's not talk about that no, fucking train wanna, wreck. I don't want to talk about him. You know what? You know what's funny? I will say about this for all the shit that he's been doing, man. If you go on like Facebook Marketplace or any Craigslist or any of those things, there are so many pairs of Yeezys for sale right now. It's not I even funny. It. it is ridiculous. I believe it. I believe People are it. like, I don't even want these anymore. Like it's twenty five bucks. <laughs> okay. We have managed to stay pretty politically clear. Yeah. This week, and, and aside from a political ad that was shot to my phone while I was looking something up, but I would like to say real quickly that the way I'm dealing with the whole Yeezy thing and him coming back to Twitter um, and and Elon Musk unlocking all those accounts is to just, you know, I, yes, Friday morning, I blocked Elon Musk's account. And then I started finding accounts that got unlocked. And as I found them, you know, if they were horrible, I just blocked them. I'm not playing anymore. I'm not giving them any of my fucking personal life. I'm not giving them any of my personal time. They don't get to live in my head. If they pop up because of someone else's timeline, fine. I'll probably read and laugh. But I'm not going to sit there and worry about what that fucking man child wants to do with Twitter. Because you know what Twitter is? It's a website. It's a service. And if it sucks, people will leave and then it won't be any good anymore. That's mm-hmm. how it works. It's as good as the people on it and what they do. So if, the, if, if you poison the well, people are going to leave. They're not going to drink from it anymore. And then you're going to have another MySpace. Good for you, Elon. Congratulations. You're going to run it in the ground just like you ran Tesla in the ground. And that's all I want to say about that. <laughs> I got a DVD of the show, Mr. Show, which I talked about last week. Yeah. And it's driving me crazy. I don't know if you can see that, but right here in the corner, do you see that little dot that looks like a speck of rice? Yeah, I see there's something. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of the flowers in the design. It's one of the petals falling off. Mm. And as it's been sitting on my desk for weeks and weeks, I keep thinking that it's a grain of rice. (laughs) <laughs> and so I always am like absentmindedly going to wipe it away and clean it up. And it's like, fuck. So it just eats at my OCD so that every time I look in that direction, I'm like, there's that green rice again. You know, it's a good thing that you wear underwear and pants because otherwise you'd be like, oh, that's a hair and keep trying to flick your penis off because you thought it was a hair until you peed out of it. <laughs> I'm just going to put in crickets. You should. You should. That would that would absolutely work right there. <laughs> I'm going to find some And Mike, fuck you. <laughs> you can play that Price is Right part. That ding, ding, ding. I used to have that on my phone where I would uh, randomly play that for people if they said something stupid around me, if I thought of it in time. You know, it was actually really funny when it when it worked out that way. But very rarely did I go, hey, I should probably grab my phone right now. You know, so it goes. So I don't know if you can tell from my voice because yeah, I've been getting a little better every day. But uh, Monday night, Jennifer gets home from work. And she's just sweating and tired and i'm like you okay she's like yeah i'm gonna go lay down doesn't even eat dinner then tuesday morning i wake up and i'm like aching and my throat is bothering me i'm like you're sweaty and tired and you didn't even eat dinner no in the morning yeah yeah but yeah waking up feeling you know funky and weird and dude by by wednesday or no by thursday morning it was like it was the most timeless period of discomfort I've known in recent history. Mm. It just felt like, like I slept for like two straight days with a few breaks in between. Um, and I didn't feel like a person through any of it mm-hmm. until I finally managed to smoke some weed. And that kind of like brought some sensation to my life. So I actually felt like a person again, you know, it was like up until that point, everything was just like, um, it sucked. It sounds and, like the time period when I had COVID. It was like 
a just very weird, bland, like nothing remarkable kind of a time where you just feel like you're just kind of floating in purgatory. Yes. Yes. And I mean, we're in bed for such a long time that I became like, I didn't want to lay down anymore. Like my, I physically hurt laying down like my back and my, my neck and my shoulders all were just aching constantly that and constantly coughing. So it was like, it was just, it was a fucking nightmare. And we went to the doctor and they did this swab, which anyone who's had the COVID swab done, the proper COVID swab. Fantastic experience. It's like, it's like having a drill in your nose. It's horrible. Oh yeah. It's, it's really great. Yeah. It sucks so much. And of course, you know, they, they do the culture and everything. And then they're like, okay, here, take, you know, take these medications and we'll let you know if anything else needs to be done. And then I get a call the next day. You don't have COVID. You don't have the RNA thing. You just have a normal influenza and, you know, drink lots yeah. of Pedialyte and, you know, just ride it out. Cause there's shit you can do. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yeah. And, and like, I'm, I have drank so much fucking NyQuil and DayQuil that my beard is stained blue and, and green. I feel like I could go to like a spirit day at a high school if I found the right high school. Very except nice. Except that, that would be horrible. The blue and red NyQuils. Yeah. <laughs> except that what the hell would I be doing in high school? <laughs> that's a good question. I don't think you can pass for that anymore. And you know, that's an interesting story and all, but I just looked at the time. We are out of time. So that's going to have to be a story for another time. So I can go watch my Phillies playing in the World Series. Son. Thanks for listening to Storytime with Tom and Mike. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed giving it to you. Giving it to you like that undying feeling of, I'm going to turn this off soon that you had when the Twitter diatribe kept going on and on and on and And on on and on and on. 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 (laughs) Just kidding. Bye.